Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is one of my best hunting buddies out there. His name is Sean Lashinsky. This is the guy who is responsible for getting me into all sorts of Western game out there in the front range of Colorado and even in the mountains, like chasing after moose and mountain goat and elk and mule deer and, gosh, turkey and ducks and geese and trout, you name it. Like, he has played a huge role in my Western outdoor experiences. And so I'm super pumped to be chatting with him and recapping a couple different hunts. So this is actually going to be a two-part series. We're going to splice this or split it to where the first part talks all about our moose hunt or his moose hunt, where I got to accompany him. And then the second part is going to be talking about a mountain goat hunt. And there's going to be a lot more of these to come because he has so much knowledge, so much information when it comes to Western big game hunting there, I mean, we could do 50 episodes of just he and I talking about tips, tricks, strategy, gear, rifles, ammo, optics, you name it. And so I'm pumped about this one. I hope you guys are too. Get ready because this is a fun hunt that we discuss right now. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And I'm super excited about this episode because I'm talking with the guy that kind of, well, not kind of, totally got me into Western big game hunting. Sean Lashinsky, what is going on, dude? Not much, but doing good. Dude, so we, I mean, we used to hunt together all the time, kind of year round. Any Anytime there was a season, we'd be out hunting together. And then I went and moved back to Missouri. And uh, you're still out there, though, and you've been drawing big game tags like like it, it seems like you can't miss. No, I'd be putting well, in for the lottery for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm the luckiest guy I know when it comes to drawing a tag out here. Yeah, I mean, you've you've drawn moose, mountain goat. And those are two out of the three that are like some people never draw any of them and you've drawn two out of the three in the past what three years uh since 2018 so four years jeez man how long i I, uh 
the only one I haven't drawn is the bighorn. And I have, uh, I just have, I don't have a good unit picked out to do it. So I've been put, applying for points, but I haven't been specifically trying to draw that tech yet. Yeah. Until I can find the right unit and uh, a unit with good rams in it and, and good draw odds. We're, we're going to talk about a ton of stuff in this episode, including units draw odds how to find where you want to hunt especially for something like that i mean there's not a ton of people that you just run into and it's like hey man where are the good moose at in colorado you know like there's not a ton of people with loads of experience and so we're going to talk about a bunch of different things how to go about finding where the moose are uh scouting what time of year is best to go and do that the the rounds you use the strategy behind it and then i think we're going to dive into mountain goat as well so are you up for that yeah for sure so why don't why don't we start by doing this when you first decided hey i'm going to put in for moose or i'm going to actually try to draw my moose tag this year did i mean how long did you think it was actually going to be before you drew it Oh, I never, it's one of those that you never think you're going to draw. I just kept putting in and, um, as I was younger, I put in for a lot of years for just a preference point in Colorado. You can just apply and pay your application fee and get a point for the year. And when I was, uh, apprenticing for being a pipe fitter and stuff, I wasn't able to, I wouldn't have been able to take the time off work and miss school and everything to hunt it anyways. So I simply uh, just kept applying and building points. And I applied for, I think, 18 years before I ever really tried to draw. And then I was just sitting down to apply one year. And I said, man, sooner or later, I got to try. So I put in for the unit. And of course, it was I drew the very first year that I really tried to draw. <laughs> but, you're you're going to make a lot of enemies that are listening to this. And they're like, wait, the first year he tried, he got it? Well, but you got to remember, I had 18 preference points at that point. And, and at yeah. the time, that was the most you could have for moose. Because uh, it just so happened when I was 15 or 16 and my, and my dad and older brother kind of got me started applying and teaching me the ropes on it. Was the very first year that the elk or moose points actually started to, uh, you could actually accrue points and, and build up points. So the very first year I applied was the first year that they counted towards something in the long run. So I know there's people that applied for moose for a lot of years before that, but they weren't quote unquote building points. They were just applying for that year. So nobody could have more points than I did at the time. And man, that was tough. I went through a lot of years where I didn't hardly have a penny in the bank account, but I was making sure that there was whatever I needed to apply for my moose tag and get my point that year and i had to definitely had to be pretty disciplined but i did that for a lot of years and now it's paying off you know i was investing 20 years ago in a hunt that was just a pipe dream at the time and now it's actually uh coming to fruition and and it's paid off a few times that's it's crazy to think about like to have that kind of foresight to go hey 20 years from now I'm going to want to do this and I might have the means to do it at that point. I'm going to start preparing for it. Now I'm going to start putting the money in now so that it pays off down the road. I mean, 
20 years or 18 years of preference points is no joke. Like that's a serious amount of money, especially for a non-resident. Um, and then, you know, down the road to even know if you're going to be in that type of financial position to be able to do the hunt once you get drawn. Now I'd imagine throughout this whole time, you're kind of preparing, but not like a hundred percent because you think it's still down the road. Did you know the entire time you were applying that, uh, which unit you wanted once you did draw? So the, when I was like 12 or 13 in the first years that I ever elk hunted, we elk hunted a unit up in North park, which is one of the, uh, premier areas in the state to hunt elk or moose. And, uh, it, it's also the area that when the elk were reintroduced or when the moose were reintroduced to Colorado, they, uh, were transplanted to that part of the state because of the good habitat and everything. So I knew that I wanted to revisit that area and I knew that it was fantastic moose habitat. So it was kind of a no brainer. I mean, they're, they've since spread out and they're, they're in a third of the state now, but back when I was much younger, they were, that was about the only place you could go and see any and, so I kind of always just wanted to go back there and that, and it was a little sentimental. I wanted to get back there and hunt the same area that I learned how to elk hunt in and chase an elk in. Yeah. And that's, we, we were archery hunting elk back then. And I remember one time hearing a bunch of splashing and stuff. I was kind of down by a Creek and I thought, shoot, man, there's gotta be a whole, elk, a whole herd of elk down in here. I'm going to, I'm going to sneak in on them and go shoot me a cow out of this. And, I uh, sneaked through the willows, and when I got to the other side of it, there was just this cow moose standing in the river just staring at me. I was like 12 or 15 yards away from her <laughs> and only 12 years old and all by myself. She'd have, she'd have stomped me into the dirt, and I'd never known. I was terrified to begin with, but uh, I, got, I found out how scared you can really be when I saw her uh, calf stand up in the bushes. Oh, no. Oh about halfway from me to her and was right i was right next to the calf and i was like oh shoot what did i do so i just kind of melted back into the bushes a little bit and snuck in and that cow came running out of the water and and ran right past her calf and ran like a half circle around me probably less than 10 yards and she was so close that when she was trotting around i could feel the ground shaking and I was just waiting for her to pop through the bush right next to me and mow me over. And she just made this little half circle and kept running away from me. And I was like, "Woo, that was a close one. Man. Oh my God. It was terrifying. But Dude, that definitely imagine. lit a fire in me for future hunts. Yeah. I can't imagine having an encounter like that as a kid, much less as an adult. I mean, when we went scouting, which we'll get into that here in a bit, like we got, we got pretty close to some moose and it was amazing. But like having two other grown men there with you, you know, you've got your escape route already planned, but as a kid, that'd be a whole different level. Yeah. It was definitely terrifying. So fast forward from that moment, you know, growing up hunting in that unit, uh, to the day that you got drawn. I remember, so I I'll share my side of it in a little bit, but, what was that like once you put in, you know, sometimes 
I don't know if you're like me at all, you kind of forget and you're like, oh, I'll just wait for the notification on my phone, whether or not I got drawn for certain things. Um, were you watching it pretty closely or were you just completely surprised by it? Um, I wasn't at all because when it comes to all of my applications, I usually just put in for points and then one year I'll decide to say, hey, this year I'm going to draw an antelope tag or I'm going to try to draw the moose tag or whatever. So for the most part, I'm just getting points and, and not necessarily keeping track of it at all. And with the uh, um, that moose hunt, I ended up, uh, I was sitting in my first aid class at CPR for work. And there was about a five minute delay before class started. And I said, oh man, I think results are coming out. Let me just see what happened. And so I opened up my folder and, or my phone and, got to the page and was thumbing through looking at everything. And uh, it, it always says you're either denied or successful. successful. And, and mine said pending. And I was like, what the heck? Never heard it say that before. And, and I, my heart just came out through my throat. I was like, <laughs> what just happened here? And I, before before the class even started, I was calling everybody going, get out of here. I'm hunting a moose this year. And sure enough, I got it. So it was pretty cool. Dude, I remember I remember getting that call and I looked down at my phone and I'm like, oh, Sean's calling. I'm like, hey, babe, I'm going to take this real quick. Um, he's probably seen what I'm up to tonight or seen if I want to hunt this weekend or, you know, whatever it was. And I answer and you're like, Hey man, how's it going? And I was like, man, he's super cheerful. And I remember you go, what do you have going on in October? I'm like, uh, dude, I don't know. Like end of October, we're going to be elk hunting. And you're like, could I steal you for a couple weeks at the beginning? And I'm like, what's up? And you're like, dude, I drew a moose tag. And I'm <laughs> like instantly just pumped out of my mind. I'm so excited. And, uh, at that point, yeah. We, we started planning, I think, the next night or two nights later. We were already looking at maps, downloading different maps, paying for kill site maps. I mean, everything. Yep. Yep, it was an exciting moment. The wife and I had actually planned on going on a camping trip that the weekend that I found out. And she was not very happy with me when I said, well, we're no longer camping where you wanted to go. And she's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, we got to go look at a different part of the state. And she's like, no, we're going to my spot. I said, no, <laughs> when you draw a moose tag, you don't go camping and not go scout for your moose while you're there. Yeah. So we, we didn't get too into it with that trip. We just kind of found some of the roads and, and just kind of found out access to the unit. We didn't necessarily even look, look for elk or moose. We were just driving around and trying to find out how we could get back into some of those back roads and where we were going to end up actually needing to focus my efforts on, on better trips, more specifically for scouting the moose. This was more of a getaway for the weekend and find out where we can get in and just see how big the unit was, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, once you, once you start to figure some of that out, figuring out access, like the, there's a big difference between chasing after moose and chasing after elk. Like when you're out elk hunting, you might see a hundred different people all chasing elk in the same area as you. 
with moose, it's not that way. You know, anybody you see out there at that time, there's a good chance they're going to be chasing after moose, but there's going to be like four or five of them versus a hundred, you know? Yeah. I think there was only three bull tags awarded for the unit the year that I got mine. Yeah. We, I mean, we started looking at numbers right away and like you, you kind of had it dialed in. You had a game plan. You knew where you wanted to go. We started looking at um, the unit on Onyx, kind of breaking it apart. Actually, on Onyx, I think there were a couple times where you were like, dude, check this out. You can actually see a moose in the water on the, on the satellite view. And you'd like yeah. look at different ponds and stuff or you'd see their shadow on the ground. I was like, man, that's pretty sweet that you can actually see the moose from like from the satellite camera yep yeah it makes it easy though in that habitat the bunch of willow thickets and stuff and and you can just kind of look in the creeks but yeah i definitely had two of them that i found on on x or google earth that to the best of my knowledge were definitely moose splashing around in the water while we were while the photo was taken yeah what a what did it look like as soon as you got drawn as far as changing out gear? Did you basically have everything you needed already or were there upgrades, improvements that you needed to make to, to optics or, or rifles or cartridges or any of that? Um, I, I bought a 375 H that I intended to go to Africa with. And as soon as I drew the, moose tag i said man i know which gun i've got to shoot it with it uh simply because it was my the only animal i could really use that gun on so i was like i've got to you go ahead and use that gun and make it my big game gun or you know my really big game gun um as far as the rest of my gear i think i the only thing i really bought was a new pair of binoculars and I just wanted something that was a little higher quality than what I already had. And um, just to really pick them apart and make sure, because when you get a once in a lifetime tag like that, you've got to make sure you shoot the animal that you're going to be happy with. I, I don't think uh, you just want to run out there and shoot the first one you see. Well, that's what I say, but that's exactly <laughs> what I did. Dude, the whole time, the whole time we went out scouting for months and months leading up to the hunt, I remember you multiple times saying, dude, I'm not shooting one on opening day, not shooting one on opening day. And uh, we'll get to how opening day unfolded here in just a second. But first, we went up, me, you, and Tony, we went up yep. there in July. It was actually over my birthday. And we said, hey, we're going to go and start looking. Like, they're in velvet now. You know, you're not going to see their full potential but we'll get a good idea if we can find some moose and so we went up there for for the weekend and just drove around on side-by-sides four-wheelers in and looked for moose yeah um yeah the real goal there wasn't to necessarily find a good bowl or anything in those along those lines but just to find that habitat and the what part of the unit that they were using and and just have a good idea where we wanted to go and start looking for them come opening day um again i i knew that unit well enough to know pretty well where i wanted to be but there's a big series of big draws there 
And every one of those draws holds a lot of moose. And we put a lot of miles on scouting. And we'd only seen three or four of them, I think, until the last morning. And we took one of the other draws and saw 17 moose in that one day going up that one draw. So that's when I figured I knew exactly where I was going to be on opening day. But it was, uh, like you said, that's, I don't like to move on these animals in the dark. And especially with that moose hunt, I knew I was driving past lots of great habitat to go to that draw. So I said, man, I'm not, we're not leaving until the sun's up and I can make sure there's not one standing in a meadow right here. Yeah. Glad you, I got, did that. you got me onto that idea. And I, I thought you were crazy. Like I remember the first elk camp, I was going to bed early. I was like, Hey, what time were we getting up? Like 3 AM, you know, get up, get up, get in the side by side by four 30, be on the trail. And you're like, no, man, we don't move in the dark. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I, I came to the wrong camp. Like this guy has no idea what he's doing. And it's because I'm so used to deer hunting and yeah, it turns out you're right, man. If you can, if, if you can only start moving, when there's visibility like you're actually going to see stuff while you're driving in or you may whereas if you do it at night there's no chance you're going to see anything yeah we generally we we drive in like hell hunting we get to half mile or so from where we're really trying to start hunting and we used to hike in in the dark and we would just see tracks all over and we'd be like man they were here last night and then it started eating me up. And I said, man, they were probably here 15 minutes ago. They smelled us coming down the ridge. So it's something that I've kind of adopted where I try not to move too much in the dark because, it, you know, even whitetail hunters are most famous for it. They're all in their stand before sunup. And I wonder how many times they blew that buck out of there that they've been chasing all winter long just because they moving in the dark they would never even know that he was there and how many people say that they have trail cam pics of this same buck for three months and then they never see him a single time during the season and i think a lot of time is because they walk in in the dark and he's leaving and not coming back you know that's not typical for him to catch you in there yeah especially before sunup so i i think that there's probably a lot of people that ruin a good hunt by getting in there early uh like turkey hunting is about the only time where i see it to make sense and that's because they're up in the tree and they they don't use their nose like an elk or a deer or a moose does so i just prefer not to move on anything until you know like like i said if i got a 30 minute atv ride i'm gonna leave 30 minutes before it's gonna be light and i'll get there right at first light but i don't I don't like getting there an hour early and hiking a mile in because I could, I could ruin, um, kick out a herd of 200 elk and never even have seen one. So that's just something I've adopted lately. It's we, we used to hunt the other way, but in the last probably five or six years is when I started doing that. And the first year that we did it, um, we walked in and, walked into a herd of 150 elk and my daughter killed her first bull at eight o'clock in the morning. But it, had we, if we 
went in in the dark and got to where we were wanting to go, we would have walked right through the middle of that herd and we would have never seen a single elk. Yeah. We'd have just heard them all thunder out of there and they'd have been a mile away by the time the sun came up and they would have already known we were there. Yeah. So that definitely took some getting used to. And now, I mean, like, I don't even think about it. <laughs> not to mention the other perk is that you get to sleep in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, not having to get up several hours before sunrise. Um, yeah. The one thing that really surprised me, though, with moose, though, was how, like, they're they're not very skittish. I mean, when we went scouting, we didn't see a ton of moose running off. You know, like, they're so big, and in that area especially, they don't really have any natural predators, or at least didn't until now the wolf reintroduction started. Um but like they just didn't seem to care that we were there at all. Yeah, they're uh, they're in Colorado. They don't have a natural predator, like you said. Now that the wolves are here, that will be a factor. But before that, the uh, by the time the calf was about a year old, they they were too big and too strong for any of the bears or mountain lions around here to really mess with them so they they really aren't afraid of anything we definitely saw that scouting i mean we had moose multiple times at 20 or 30 yards and they would they wouldn't even run away and do nothing so if, if they do leave they just casually meander off they're not it's not like elk or a white tail that just bounding away the moment you'd see it or it sees you yeah. They just kind of stand there and stare at you for 30 minutes and then flick their tail once and slowly start walking away and just walk out of your life forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, me, you, and Tony, we stood there and there were three cows right in front of us. I mean, they weren't far at all. We were like taking selfies with them in the background, just hanging out, watching them for, gosh, it had to be 40 plus minutes. And then they slowly started moving off and I remember you you did a moose call and I feel like that was the first time I had ever heard it and it couldn't have been five minutes after you did that all of a sudden those two bulls stepped out into the meadow 300 yards away and it was like oh man like that one's a good one yeah we will definitely be keeping an eye on him yeah, he was big for as early as it was in the year. I mean, they say a moose can grow an inch. Their antlers can grow an inch in length a day in, in prime growing season. And he still had three months of growing and was already pretty nice. I mean, oh, I bet you he was, I'd ever seen. I bet you he was 30 inches wide when we saw him. Yeah. And that was in July. Yep. Yeah, and they don't – well, when I killed mine in October, he still had velvet on. He was still in the process of shedding. So it was uh, – he had a lot of growing yet to do. Yeah. Uh, another another strategy that I feel like was, was pretty cool and actually another one that was really clever, which I don't know if you want to share that one or not, but one of the things you did was post on a Facebook group. And it was like, hey, drew a moose tag, super excited. Um, anybody with any experience, if you have if if you have any info or tips that would help, 
like, let me know. And there were actually quite a few people who were messaging about like pictures of moose that they saw in certain areas, um, success that they've had in the past and like using the online community to kind of get a leg up. I mean, that was brilliant. Yeah. You, you can't get away with that with elk hunting. Nobody's going to give you their elk spot, but with, with those once in a lifetime tags, there's a lot of people out there that aren't putting in and still happy to share with you or, or they think they're part of that group. That's never going to draw. Yeah. And they, it, you're not burning your spot when it's a once in a lifetime tag, right? The people that have already done it and been successful can't ever go do it again. So they're, they have no reason not to tell you any information. And like I said, just, there was a lot of people that were more than happy to help me out and put me in the right direction. Um, it seemed like all the tips that I got were the same information that I already knew. <laughs> I mean, we, we had a good plan from the beginning just because we knew where they were in that unit to begin with. So, but yeah, it, it was awesome, man. There was a lot of, a lot of uh, good help and a lot of people who came out of the woodwork to donate a moose call or anything to me. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. To see the community kind of like welcome you with open arms when it's a hunt like that, it's awesome. I mean, it gives you a lot of hope for, for other future hunts that you do, but like you said, nobody's going to burn their mule deer or elk or antelope spot just to help you out. Cause they're going to be back there year after year. Yep. Uh, do you remember what the name of the other Facebook group was that you joined um, <laughs> to get to get additional information? These people were a little less willing uh, had they known what you were going to do. Yeah, they. I uh, I had to go a little undercover on that one, <laughs> and uh, I just told them that I was trying to. I was wanted to see a moose in Colorado, but it was some like moose photographer group in Colorado. Yeah. It was like moose watchers of Colorado <laughs> or moose lovers of Colorado. And it was like, Hey, I really want to see a moose. Anybody have any idea where I could find them? And yeah. they were all helping. And I'm like, man, if they did any research and looked at your profile, they would know that you are full of it. Um, well, uh, none of them, Nobody there gave me any good information, but it was great to also just see the pictures that it, they were taking. And, and uh, like I said, none of it gave me a direction of where to go. But I also, from that, could kind of see that Colorado had some really nice moose. And it helped me to give me a little bit of peace of mind to know that if I'm patient, I can find a good one. And that I shouldn't shoot the very first one I see. Yeah. Well, you, so you called me, uh, moving forward to actual moose camp. You guys made it up there uh, a couple days early before the hunt actually started. Um, I was planning on being there early. I think a bunch of us had taken like the full two weeks off that you had to hunt, but I had to go pick up my buddy at the airport who was also going to come and help out. But you guys were up there a couple days early. What, what was that like from the very beginning of your trip, getting there, and then we'll walk through the actual hunt itself? Um, we pulled in and set up camp in the dark. And we didn't get the camp that we wanted. Somebody, 
was already uh, doing a little dispersed camping in the campground that we, campsite that we really wanted. But um, it, it was still working out and we were only 100 or 200 yards further up the road than where we wanted to be. But the campsite we wanted is in a very big meadow that I've seen moose in many times. So I thought it'd be great to be hanging out at lunch and drinking oat soda and look out the back of the camper and see a giant elk or moose walking through that meadow. But uh, didn't end up there. We Where we were was, like I said, it was in the same meadow, but there was a island of trees in the middle of it. And it really blocked the visibility of seeing all the rest of the habitat that they were, I was trying to see. But uh, we woke up the next morning and I looked out the window and the sun was just bright enough to see anything. And sure as shit, there was a giant moose 80 yards from the camper. And uh, my brother was laying in the camper with me. And I said, dude, there's a shooter right there. And this was two days before the season. There was nothing I could do about it. But it, nonetheless, I got excited. And I, my brother's like, shut up, man. You didn't just look out the camper and see a moose. And then he realized how quick I was getting dressed. And he's like, <laughs> oh, dude, there must be some. I mean, I was just throwing pants on and picking up a shirt and looking for my binoculars. And we uh, stepped out and got some uh, good pictures of him and just watched him for a while. And I told him right then and there, I said, man, that's a first day shooter. I would, that's one I wouldn't bat an eye at taking. Um, I don't think it's the same one I ended up with, but at least knowing he was out there definitely helped me make sure that I wasn't going to shoot the wrong one on opening day. I knew at least the caliber of moose that were in there. The the real problem was they were all rutting really hard then, and and we never did see that moose again. He was with a hot cow, I think, and she took off, and he followed her wherever she went and never did see him again, but that was an exciting moment. Oh, I bet. Like, being in that spot. But, yeah, I'm sure the worry would start right away. Like, is he still going to be here? Is he going to be here? But you at least know from – the times that you spent camping there throughout the year leading up to season and then already being there, there's good moose in the area. You're probably going to connect with one. Um, Let's talk about opening morning. Like what, what was your strategy going into opening morning? How were you going to go about finding a moose or once you got to the area, what were you going to do in, in order to try to find a moose? Um, so like I said, we found the one draw that was full of them in July. And my plan was to hunt that draw. But like I said, it was about a six or eight mile drive from camp to the beginning of that draw. And I didn't want to drive past any of those meadows that were there. Uh, I think when we were scouting, we saw six or so bulls in one of those meadows um that evening um we saw those people flying the drone around out there but uh so i I just knew that that was good or moose habitat i was gonna make sure that when i drove through i could lay eyes on all of that and make sure i was in a good position to make a play on them if i did find one so i had a plan but i knew that 
I'd be happy to audible at any time if we did see something. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole idea I think was to get to the, to the base of that Valley or that drainage or whatever you want to call it. And then we were just going to spend the day working our way up it and, and check every meadow along the way, see if, see if we could find something or get a better idea of where maybe a cow was with a bull. Yep. Um, I mean, that was the plan. <laughs> work out. The plan worked really well for about 300 yards. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, man, we, we left. Uh, I remember we were drinking coffee and getting ready to go. And everybody was getting ready to get on the four wheelers and stuff. And I said, no, man, it's, we're going to stay here for another five or 10 more minutes. I said, it's, if there was a moose 80 yards away, it's not bright enough for me to be able to see him right now. And everybody thought I was crazy again. And I said, well, when you're, when it's your hunt, we'll do it however you want, but we're going to go my pace on this one. And so we didn't make it, but a quarter of a mile up the road. And the very first turnoff was the campground that I wanted to get and couldn't. And, and that's where we had camped during scouting in yep. mid-July. Yep. So when we pulled up to it, I pulled into the campground or campsite and I uh, just kind of looked around and scanned the meadow real quick. And moose is huge. You can't miss them if they're under 300 yards away. And that's all the bigger the meadow was. And so I said, well, I kind of decided, well, let's get in the car and we'll go to the next one and see what's there. And just as I was getting in, my wife, well, she was fiance at the time, I think, but she looked out in the meadow and she said, what's that big white spot out there? And I told her, well, if it's a white spot, it's not a fucking moose. Let's go. <laughs> and then I was like, man, that was really dumb of me to say, and I should at least investigate what she's talking about and when i put my binoculars up it, it was a moose bedded down and when they turned his head i watched all the points on those antlers uh like cast a shadow on the palm of the other antler and i was like oh boy that's definitely a moose. <laughs> a pretty good one hey if it's not if it's white it's not a moose Challenge. Yeah, it definitely was. I've uh, I've apologized to her a hundred times for that. <laughs> she is my official moose hunting partner. Um, couldn't have done it without her. But uh, so yeah, we we went up the road and got a little closer at that point and found out that he was a moose and a good one. And again, I said, well, I'm not shooting one opening day, but I should take my rifle and go get a better eye on him. And we kind of used some of the trees as cover and snuck around behind him. And at this point, it I don't think it was still sun up. I think it was no. I think it was still 15 minutes before actual sunrise. Well, yeah, we were we, in the legal shooting light. We pull I think we pulled up to you 10 minutes after legal shooting light. And like I, I don't remember why we were waiting back a little bit. Uh, I think, I think my four wheeler was warming up, like it kept dying on me or something like that. And so we were just trying to let it warm up a little bit more and you're like, Hey, we're going to go ahead. 
we'll see you guys at the mouth of the drainage. And yeah, we got 300 yards from camp and you're pulled off of the road and out of your truck with your binos up already. And yeah, I want to say that was 10 minutes into legal shooting light. Uh, when we pulled up, you pointed the moose out and you said, we're going to take a closer look. And so it would have been me, your brothers and Tim. We all stood there, got tripod set up, got binos on and we're watching and you and Sarah went for a closer look. Yeah. And um, so like I said, we were using the trees to kind of end some some uh there were some contours of the creeks and stuff there so we dropped down in the creek and we used that to sneak in a little closer and had a big row of trees between us and the moose and eventually when we got kind of parallel to them i said all right let's turn and head that way and go see what we got and we were just sneaking through the trees and i stepped over a dead log and when I did, my pant leg got caught on just this little twig that was three or four inches long. And when I went to put my foot down on the other side of the log, it just snapped. And I mean, it was so dead quiet that morning that that had to sound like the crack of a rifle out there, you know, <laughs> just and it, to me, it was that loud. I just thought, oh, man, I completely blew that. And at that point, I was like 20 yards from the edge of the trees. So I just knew that I blew it right there and that they had to have heard me and element of surprise was gone. So I just ran up to the edge of the trees. And as soon as I got there, I'm looking and, and there's this cow just standing in the middle of the meadow. And I was like, where the heck did she come from? <laughs> and uh, then uh, at that moment, the bull stood up right next to her and I realized that they'd been bedded together overnight there. And I I was looking at him and I told my, the other thing I told myself was if I was going to shoot one, it needed to have multiple brow tines on each side. And part of that is for scoring reasons, but it also just shows a uh, more mature moose will have multiple brow tines up front. And so I, as soon as I looked at him, he was looking square at me and I looking at his brow tines i said man he's got three on the left and four on the right i said that's about as big as anything i've seen on that moose lovers of colorado web or <laughs> facebook page so i said that's got to be a pretty good bull and he looked he didn't look real wide and come to find out he isn't but it's because his palms curl up instead of kind of laying flat like a lot of moose will but when he turned sideways, I saw how big his palms were. And I instantly was like, this is, could be a dandy. And so I set up the tripod and Sarah said, are you going to shoot him? I said, ah, we're just going to see what he looks like through the scope. <laughs> and as soon as I had the scope on him, I was like, yep, we're going to shoot him. And I just started ringing out shots. Well, I shot him once and, and he's, just before I shot, he started walking and I was like, man, I don't really want to shoot him on the move. So I tried to kind of grunt and make some noises to see if he'd stop and look at me again. And he, he didn't. And come to find out what I think happened was that cow ran off and he was just planning on staying with her. And even another hot cow wasn't going to stop him from where he was going. Yeah. I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but when I realized that I couldn't stop him, I said, man, I'm just going to shoot him on, on the move, you know, and he wasn't running. It was nothing ridiculous. It was just a slow walk. And so I shot him and the way that the Canyon was there, I couldn't hear the impact of the bullet. I thought I did, but I couldn't tell for sure. Cause I mean, that, that shot echoed for 15 seconds. I think after I fired the shot, it just bounced off of every wall of those mountains. And, uh, the moose went from walking to a dead run, but I couldn't tell if I hit him for sure or not. And I said, well, we're, let me see, you know, if he slows down in a little bit. And I let him get out to 280 yards was my second shot. And, and, uh, before I fired the second shot, I was like, well, he's, I, I looked in front of him. I said, man, he's about to get out of that meadow and into those trees. And I said, I don't want to find out that I did hit him and track him all day doing this. So I fired another shot and he just dropped like a ton of bricks. I mean, it looked like a school bus getting into a wreck. I mean, <laughs> hard to not watch it, you know, I can still replay that in my mind, but yeah, he, uh, piled up right there and uh when all was said and done we were 360 yards from the truck from where he laid and uh it made for a great pack out well hold on you're missing you're missing my favorite part of the entire (laughs) hunt and that is you walking up to the moose so i'm gonna backtrack for a second and share from our point of view we watched you and Sarah walk and you guys disappeared, like you said, down in that little creek bottom. And then we saw you pop up again in the trees. And you were about the same distance from us at that point as the moose was. And we didn't see the full thing. We didn't see him like really standing up or turning at this point. And then all of a sudden when he did, uh, oh, me, your brothers, Tim, everyone was like, dude, he's not shooting a moose on opening day. He's not shooting a moose. Like he's told us this multiple times and we see the moose stand up. And as soon as he face like quartering away from us, everyone's jaw kind of hit the dirt. And we were like, that is a good moose. And it wasn't long after that we hear. (laughs) And he takes off running. And like you said, the cow took off before he did, which is what got him moving but you shot, shot a second time he dropped. And so we, I immediately, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm going. And they're like, Whoa, hold on, hold on. I'm like, no, 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 I'm going. Like I'm getting out there with him. Like I want to, I want to be there. I'm going to video like him walking up on his moose. And I had a long ways to cover in comparison to where you were. But, uh, right at that point, I see the antlers moving on the moose and you're already kind of out in the meadow with it. And I was like, guys, he's not, he's not dead. He's not fully dead. And at that point I see him stand up on his hind leg or on his, just his front legs. I see you shoulder your rifle again. I hear the shot and he flips his head back to where his, like his antlers were just kind of pointed. It was like, I was looking downward at them, even though we were on the same level and he flips his head back and lets out that last breath of air or that last like cloud of breath and dude, I swear that could have filled a 500 square foot room. I mean, like it was just 
beautiful sun shining through it or like the sun the sun shining the mountaintops in the background and then he just tipped over and i was like oh my gosh and i i don't i honestly don't remember from that moment until i was up to you like i i spaced the entire thing but i bet you i booked it out there pretty fast <laughs> yeah yeah just i remember by the time i got there you were there with me Oh, dude, it was it was just such a cool thing, like to see a lot of it come together to get the call the first day. And then I can't even imagine being the one like making it all happen. You know, the guy with the tag and got up there and you just turned around. Your eyes were full of tears. And I'm just like, this is his moment. I'm just going to sit back and watch. <laughs> oh, it's definitely special. Yeah. Right after I pulled the trigger, I looked at my wife and she's like, yeah, you got it. Way to go. And with tears in my eyes, I said, it wasn't supposed to happen like that. It, it was at that moment that I realized that the hunt that I dreamed of my entire life only lasted 15 minutes. Yep. And I, I, on one hand, cheated myself a little bit because I never really got to hunt a moose. It, I just went out and shot the first one I saw 300 yards from camp. And don't get me wrong, it's the moose I want, and I am happy with the way it all went down. but. It, you know, I expected to get lost out in the moose woods for two weeks and get my money's worth out of that hunt. And here it was, sun wasn't even up on opening day and I was done and tagged out and was just not much of a moose hunt for, <laughs> for as, as far as uh, how much time I got in the field with a rifle, you know? Oh man, uh, you spent more time talking about drawing the moose hunt, like telling people that you drew it than you did actually hunting a moose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. We, like I said, I wouldn't change any of it, but it, uh, I, I wish that I would have, it would have happened like that on day three or day four instead of day one. Yeah. So I think by then I, I would have at least got a few days of looking at a bunch of moose and making sure. Cause the next thing that happened was me sitting there going man did i do the wrong thing did i did i shoot one on opening day and and not shoot a good one when i promised myself for months that that's what i was gonna do and uh, i was definitely afraid of going back to camp and seeing an even bigger one walk by me <laughs> that afternoon you know luckily it never happened and like i said i definitely shot a great one so i can't complain about that but you just wonder if you got excited and and pulled the trigger too early you know yeah so. no i mean like, like you said everything kind of happened really great aside from not getting a full moose hunting experience but like everybody that you wanted there watched the entire thing play out you know you had your fiance at your side you had your brothers and your friends standing there watching through binoculars at 300 yards and at the end of the day like it worked out and you got an amazing moose yep but that's when the real work started and i'll tell you this right now i am so thankful you got that moose where you did <laughs> by the time we got done packing that out i'm like dude only 300 and what 80 yards from the truck and it's it was still a chore i mean a couple hour job to get that oh, yeah. processed and get the quarters back to the truck i had i knew they were big and i had no idea if they were that big I remember my little brother when we 
cut that first hind quarter off, I watched him throw in a pack and start heading for the uh, um, truck. And just seeing that much weight on his back, I was like, that thing is enormous. <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe how big that hind quarter was. I think they probably weighed 100 pounds piece. Oh, they had to. I mean, they were they were beefy. It by by the time we got quarters like three and four up, it was two or three people picking up a pack to put it on the other person's shoulders, just because like we had tried the whole like, hey, get your arms in it, kind of roll to your side, get to your knees, stand up, and it just wasn't working. So we were helping people up off the ground after they got a a quarter in their pack. Yeah, I think both my brothers each took a quarter or a hind. And then by the time they got to the truck and came back, we were about done with all the rest. And I think when we walked out of there, all six of us, seven of us still had a pack full of meat or I had the head, but I think everybody else still had a load of meat. So there was just a ton of meat on that animal. I think I ended up buying a deep freeze just for it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there was there is definitely no shortage of meat and i mean i will say the nice thing about shooting it as early as you did we just said hey we're gonna take like three or four days and just hang out here and we're gonna enjoy it and we're gonna cook up some moose meat and just be out here camping go on some four-wheeler rides or side-by-side rides and enjoy the outdoors for a few days yep yeah i remember yep, that was a fun one Tim and I, we drove up one day to tree, almost to tree line on the four wheelers. That was a good time. And then, uh, we went to some nearby cabins, uh, took hot showers. We, that first day though, we grilled up the, uh, heart in the tongue. Dude, I cannot wait to draw a moose tag or to get one because I'm going to be looking forward to those cuts of meat for sure. It was fantastic. That's the nice thing about that, huh, is just it's not near as hard as an elk hunt to me. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, when we elk hunt, it's in much rougher terrain, bigger mountains. Yeah, I mean, if I would have shot that moose where he stood when I first saw him, I don't think we'd have had to pack him 150 yards to the road. Oh, yeah. So there's a big difference in that and the way we hunt elk and backpacking in for three days and carrying your food and water and all your meat and everything on your back. It's a lot tougher that way. So it was good to, I mean, it was a nice relaxing adventure before it was over, but it's not, it was nowhere near as difficult as the mountain go hunt. That's for sure. Oh man. And that is going to wrap it up for this portion of the conversation. We're going to jump into, in the next episode, all about the mountain goat hunt. And I'm super pumped about it. It was another insane hunt and some near-death experiences, a lot of adventure, and so many animals seen. And so I'm pumped for you guys to hear that. Hopefully this stuff is getting you fired up, even if it's not about a hunt that you're about to go on. Uh, to dream about a hunt in the future. I mean, there are so many cool animals out there that you can hunt, so many tags that you could be applying for every year from state to state. 
one of the things that's come up on my radar here in the past couple of years is a bison. Like I would love to get out and hunt a buffalo in one of these states that offer buffalo hunts. And I don't want to do like you can go and do it on a farm. You can do it in a high fence area, but I want to go and chase a free range bison. That has got to be one of the hardest tags to draw. One of the most coveted tags out there and it's amazing meat. So why wouldn't I want to? Anyways, we're going to dive into more amazing species here in the future episodes. I hope you guys are enjoying and until next time, get out there and chase a new adventure.